child and everything fell apart. And right up front, uh, we had, uh, we were praying and I prayed with her and her husband right here. And I just prayed and agreed with them in prayer that God would do the miraculous, that God would do. And if you've ever adopted children, the adoption process of children is anything but fast. It is a very slow process and very tedious. And, and especially when you're dealing with local municipalities or state governments, it's just there's a lot that goes on. And um, within the course of that time, boom, in seven days, they got a, they got a phone call. Two twin baby boys needed a home. Can you guys do this? The other people that were supposed to take them didn't, can't take them for some reason. That's always funny to me. There's some reason. It's called God. But anyhow, and so boom, and all of a sudden we, she gets a phone call, and she said, I remember praying right there, and you told me, just believe, just have faith that God will do. And God did. And those two little guys were here last night, and I saw them and everything. That's the power of the miraculous. It doesn't have to be, listen, it doesn't have to be some spectacular type of a, of a visual thing, although it could be that way. It's God working, doing miracles and signs and wonders. Uh, it talks about the, the, the kinds of, uh, different kinds of tongues, which is praying in the Spirit and interpretation of those spirits. We're going to talk about that, or interpretation of those tongues. And we're going to talk about that more in just a second. But these are all expressions of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are 27 giftings of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the gift of hospitality is a gifting of the Holy Spirit? So those of you that open doors as door greeters and you welcome people and you gave them, uh, uh, you gave them a, um, a bulletin as they came in and you said, hi, how are you? You're operating in the gifting of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that. That's nothing really supernatural. I, well, some of you are going, I, I did that, really? I'm, wow, pretty cool. All right, all right, cool. Do you know the gift of administration is the gifting of the Holy Spirit? It is. There are 27 giftings, but there are nine public expressions of the Holy Spirit that are mentioned here. And these are the ones that get most of the attention. So let's kind of talk about those for a few minutes. Because that's kind of where things can get weird if we're not careful. Now I want you to understand something right off the bat. I don't think that the public expression of the Holy Spirit is weird. I think that people sometimes make it weird. You understand? God's not weird, but sometimes you are. Is that cool? <laughs> sometimes I am. And that's what we want to talk about. How does that express itself? Well, 1 Corinthians, turn over to chapter 14, verses 22 through 40. And I'm not going to read all these, but I'm going to give you some scriptural references. There are standards that Paul gives to the church in Corinth. He's writing to the church in Corinth, and he's giving them standards for public expression. If these public expressions of the Holy Spirit are going to happen in your midst, here's what needs to happen. The first of all, he says the first standard is it should serve the seeker. It should always serve the seeker. Verse 22, tongues are praying in the Spirit, the heavenly language. We talked about that last weekend. Again, if you weren't here last week, go pick up the CD. It's going to be online until tomorrow afternoon about 2 o'clock. But, but, but check it out. Tongues then are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. Tongues... That gifting of tongues that he talks about in chapter 12 is not a sign for believers, but for unbelievers. Whoa, 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 I was raising this thing all my life, and I thought that that's when that happened. That was all just for the church. That's not what he says. Again, God's not weird, but sometimes we can make it weird. And we make it all about, you know, for the church. And that's not what he says. He said it's a sign for the unbelievers. So when there's going to be a public expression, that's the main reason why it's happening. When Jesus did miracle signs and wonders in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find that he did that in order to captivate their attention in order to preach the gospel. It was never about a means unto itself, and it wasn't about trying to save the whole world uh, in, in a physical sense. Because it, think about it. Jesus Christ lived, and he walked, and he talked, and he breathed, and he lived in this planet. 
And there were people dying, but he didn't heal everybody, but he healed those he came in contact with. But he was here to change the world spiritually. But he would do miracles and signs and wonders in a physical way. Why? To get people's attention. And all through that scripture, we see that demonstration. There's a demonstration of power of the Holy Spirit, and then the message is preached, and people come to salvation. Now, the second standard is it must build the believer, verse 26. And we kind of get this. This is pretty, we, we kind of get this, but, but let me read it here. What sign, or what then shall we say, brothers, when you come together? Everyone has a hymn. Everyone has a word of instruction. Everyone has a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. All these must be done for the strengthening of the church. So whatever happens should not just build the, it should not just serve the seeker, but it should build the believer. The, the church should be built. The church should come forward. Last weekend, we preached, I did, the, I did the message on who the Holy Spirit is. And I'm doing a whole message on basically the, the encounter of the Holy Spirit. And 19 adults raised their hand and said, I want to follow Jesus. I've decided that I, I believe in what you're talking about, and I want to change my life. That's, why, that's awesome. Why does that happen? Just real simple. Because when, when the Holy Spirit is at work, he points to Christ. He's not here to glorify himself. He points to Christ. And when that happens, people's lives begin to get turned over to God. Why? Because it's a supernatural, it's a spiritual action. So it's going to build the church. Anytime these things are going to happen, it's going to build the church. It's never to tear down or take away or to reduce or to be smaller. Sometimes you've heard, you may, if you've been in church very long, well, this is just a remnant. This is just, there's a purging. Well, we're just trying to get, you know, the, everybody doesn't understand this. No, when the giftings of the Holy Spirit when the ex public expression of the Holy Spirit is at work, the church should grow. In the book of Acts, it says continuously, and the church grew, and the church grew, and it added to their numbers daily. The first time there's a public expression of the Holy Spirit, it grew by 3,000 people. This is not a diminishing or a subtraction or a division. This should be a multiplication principle that's involved in the local church. You want to know why Life Church is growing? It's not because you're so great or I'm so great. It's because we point to Christ and the Holy Spirit is expressing Himself in a way that people understand it and it's relevant and rel not relative, but relevant to where they are and they hear the good news and it changes their life. That's what happened last weekend. 19 people heard the gospel and they said, hey, I want that. Can I have that? Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life and change me from the inside out. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the next thing is that it should be done in order. It should be orderly. It should be orderly. Verse 27 and 28, the Bible says, If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak at one time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, then the, then the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Look at verse 39 and, and verse 40. It says this, Therefore, brothers... Be eager to prophesy. Now that word prophesy sounds like a real super spiritual word. It's, it's speaking the word of God. Okay, that's probably the easiest way to, to declare that. It's speaking the words of God. And do not forbid speaking in tongues, which is praying in the spirit, or praying the heavenly language you talked about last weekend. And again, I didn't write this. This is the Bible. Okay, this isn't my words. I didn't come up with this. I didn't think, oh, this would be really cool if we did this. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Verse 40, but everything should be done in a fitting and an orderly way. So when the Holy Spirit is expressing himself in a public gathering, it should be done in a fitting and orderly way. It shouldn't be erratic. It shouldn't be weird. It shouldn't be wild. It shouldn't be crazy. It should be orderly. Paul says this, if you're going to have a message in tongues in a corporate setting, 
in a public setting, then there must be an interpretation. Why? Because if you are just praying in the Spirit, nobody understands what you're saying. So somebody's got to give an interpretation. And, and at Life Church, uh, we'll talk about this in just a minute, but this is, this is one of the things. If somebody were just to all of a sudden blurt out in the Holy Spirit, which again is not completely in order with, with how we do things here, but, but if, if that were to happen, and we give a second for that to say, okay, who's got the interpretation? If you don't have, if there's no interpretation, I'm going to get a wireless microphone and walk it up and hold it in your face. That's what it says. And if you don't have the interpretation, then just pray to yourself. Some of you look at me like I'm crazy. That's what it says right there. Two or three, it says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at most should speak at one time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church. Why? Because if you don't do it God's way, it gets weird. And everybody goes, we've now entered into a new dimension of time and space. It's the church zone, right? I mean, it's just like, bizarro, bizarro, bizarro. Fruits, flakes, and nuts for sale, baby. <laughs> right? Because it's weird. But when you do it God's way, it serves a seeker and builds a believer. And it's done in an orderly way. Now, verse 29 and verse 30, again, this is what Paul says. He says it should be backed by the Bible. It should be backed by the Bible. Let, let, let's look at that. Verse, verse 29 and verse 30, two or three prophets should speak, and others should carefully weigh what's said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the, speaker, the first speaker should stop. It should be carefully weighed what is said. Paul's saying this. And he says this again in other, in, in other places. But, but if there is a message that's given to a corporate in a public setting, there should be people that go, this is of God, this isn't of God. Now, how does this flesh out at Life Church? Um, we'll get to that in just a second. Let me, let me put another statement that's in your notes. A public expression of the Holy Spirit tends to be more cultural than one size fits all. I want to talk about this just for a second. It tends to be more cultural than one size fits all. Listen, everybody may, um, this may flesh out differently in different, in different places. It's all going to be theological. These serve the seeker, build the believer, should be done in order and backed by the Bible. That's all completely biblical. But how this functions, it may, it may flesh out a little bit differently. And, here, and here's what I mean. This is the beauty of the body. When Paul is writing, and, 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 who, and on all the writers of the New Testament, they're writing, writing to the church in Rome to the church in Thessalonica, to the church in Colossae, to the church in Philippi, to the church in uh, Corinth, uh, to the church in, uh, let's see if I miss anybody else, to, 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 all the, to the church in Galatia. They're writing to all of these churches. But yet only to the church in Corinth does Paul deal with this issue at this length. Does he actively give rules for engagement for public expression? Why? Because they had a major excess in how they were doing this. And they were not, and, and biblical scholarship shows that they were, not, they were not balancing this out, and it was becoming this wild mass confusion that wasn't, wasn't serving the seeker, building the believer. It wasn't doing anything. It was just confusing. And the Bible says that Satan is the author of confusion, not God. So whenever there's confusion in the body, God's not there. And whenever there's disorder, can I tell you the Holy Spirit has walked out of the room. Now that doesn't mean if everything's neatly in order, does that mean that God's present either? But, but it does mean that, that when, when there is confusion in the room, God's not there. And so what had happened is there was these excesses. As a matter of fact, the two major excesses that, 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 that was in the church in Corinth was extreme emotional spirituality 
and extreme promiscuity and sexuality. That's an interesting study for a theological discussion. Because these people were majorly extreme when it came to their emotional display of, of, of spirituality, but they also had some major sexual hang-ups. Read it. That's who he addresses. All of the major sexual sins in the Bible, he addressed it to the church in Corinth. Why? Because there were issues. And he said, whoa, 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 you guys are wild at church, and you are wild outside the church. You're just straight up buck wild. We need to reel this in. But he doesn't say that to the church in Rome. The church in Rome had a different issue. Their issue was legalism. They were all caught up in the law. They were all caught up in how things had been and the way things should be. And everybody's got to jump through this hoop. And then he begins to talk about the, 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 with the law of sin and death of the Old Testament was done away with and fulfilled through Christ. And now there's grace. And he introduces this whole idea of grace. So in different churches, in the different churches, he speaks to different issues. And here's what I mean by that. They were all Christ followers. They'd all experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit. And they'd all encountered the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Yet to only one of those churches does he actually address this issue. Because it fleshes out differently. The church in Rome, is, it's, it's culturally different. It's just, there are just some different cultural issues. If I took you to where I was raised in Arkansas, it would be different. It's not wrong, it's just different. So the cultural expression of this may be different. Now, the rules of engagement are the same according to Scripture, but how this fleshes out may be different. Some of you may be here today, and you're looking for a church. What I'm going to tell you is, is that if you're looking for something that's wild and crazy and, and just major, we're not it. Sorry. I can help you find that. If I'm too over the top for you, and some of you in this room I am, I can help you find a much more calm, sedate setting that's going to be good. There's some great pastors in this town and in this area. You see, you see that's the beauty of the body. It's not one way, it's not, and it's not my way. But, but the Bible does say that when the Holy Spirit shows up in a public expression, again, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it's going to serve the, serve the seeker, build the believer. It's going to be done in order, and it's going to be backed by the Bible. And see, when it's backed by the Bible, it's not weird. It's when we go off the Bible, and all of a sudden we say, well, I have this experience. I don't really care what your experience is. Somebody asked me last night about an experience that they had with the Holy Spirit, and I looked at them and I said, is that in Scripture? Well, but I, I think it's real because I had it. Well, great. I'm glad for you. But if it's not found in Scripture, we're not believing it. Amen. Because some of that stuff is just people getting emotional. Now, again, I talked about this last weekend. If I take you to a Green Bay Packer football game at Lambeau Field, all of you are going to respond in different ways. If I take six random people and I put your finger in that light socket right there, you're all going to respond in different ways. Your response is not electricity. It's your response to electricity. And that's based upon your personality. Understand? Because when you grab that wire, it's going to give you a response. And it's the same way with the presence of God. Some of you, it's your response to the presence of God is not an expression of the Holy Spirit. It's an expression of you. Do you understand that? It is, some of you may cry. Some of you may laugh. Some of you may be boisterous. Some of you may be quiet. Some of you may stand up and lift your hands. You may jump. Some of you may just drop to your knees. 
But that is your own expression, your own reaction. And it's not right or wrong, it's personal. But when it comes into a public expression of believers, Paul says, let's make sure that we're all on the same page. So how does this culturally fit at Life Church? How does this work at Life Church? Well, it's real simple. At Life Church, if you feel like the Holy Spirit has given you one of those nine expressions, then here's what we ask you to do. Paul says, forbid not the speaking of tongues. So biblically speaking, I, I'm not going to forbid that, but I'm, what, I'm, what we're going to do, but, but he does say, make sure that it's judged. Make sure that it's weighed out. And so every weekend during the service, Pastor Jim, Pastor Jim, would you, would you stand up? Give Pastor Jim a big hand. Would you stand up for real quick? Jim or Ryan, one of the pastors, Ryan, did the, did, did the offering today, will be sitting on the front row or standing on the front row during worship. And if you feel like that you have got something from the Holy Spirit, just come to one of those guys. They're pastors on staff. They're credentialed, ordained ministers. And what they will do is in, is in a right time that's fitting for this corporate body, for this public body, they will bring that either to me or to the forefront. Real simple. Why? We're not shutting that down. We're just saying, here's the way it needs to flow. And you go, well, why is that? Because I don't know everybody. And Paul says, you need to know those that labor among you. And if I don't know you, I don't want you speaking out. And if you're weird, I don't want to shut you down. I will. I'll ask Rich right in the very back. See, he's all buffed up. Please escort them out of the room. Because nobody likes weird church. You like weird church? Again, if you like it, I can help you find some other places to go. This ain't going to happen here. Now you go, but, 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 but do you mean you're trying to squelch or quit? No, I'm not. As a matter of fact, when you look and you read the scholarship on the New Testament churches that we just listed, you'll realize that because of, 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 the, of the, the, the day and age and some of the restraints that they were in, like the church in Ephesus, scholars tell us that that church had over a thousand, I mean a hundred thousand believers in the church in Ephesus. Joel Osteen's not the first. Okay? And if we had a hundred thousand believers today, we would go rent out uh, or we would buy out the Bradley Center, and we would, we would do multiple services. Probably 10, 11. We'd have to do 11 because 80% capacity in America. So we'd have to do 11 services in order to ad adequately minister those needs. How would happen in Ephesus? They were house churches because they didn't have the ability to build buildings and to build structures. These people many times were persecuted. They were losing their jobs. They were losing their livelihoods because of the cause of Christ. And so they were, they were, they were meeting together in homes and so when there was a public expression, it was happening within a group of 20 or 30 people. And, and, and then when they would come together in a large corporate setting, these things weren't happening because they were in the synagogues, which was mixed with, with, uh, with, with Jews and with Christians, but they were all believed the same Old Testament, so they would all come together and worship. So it was completely different than it would be today. So this type of setting that we have, last weekend there were 770 people on campus. That would not have happened in, in, uh, in, that, in that type of a realm very often in the book of Acts or in any of these churches. And so the thing is, is we want to allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And I'm never concerned about God showing up. Matter of fact, back in the room before I come out and many times when I'm done, I drop to my knees and just say, God, I just want to remind you and remind myself this isn't mine. This is yours. And what you're doing here is not about me. It's about you. See, it's never about the vessel. 
God used a donkey in the Old Testament. So if you ever think you're great because God used you, you're in a company with, well, okay, you got it? <laughs> it's him. And I'm never worried about God. Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. But at the same time, I don't want man showing up, either on this platform or somewhere out there, and destroying or taking away from what God's doing. So what we say is, hey, every time there's going to be a public expression, and we're cool with that. It's going to serve the seeker. It's going to build the believer. It's going to be orderly. So you've got that. Come to Pastor Jim, Pastor Ryan on the front. If there's somebody speaking, there should not be. The Holy Spirit isn't, isn't um, a split personality. He's not going to interrupt himself. So, so there doesn't need to be that during the preaching of the word. But go that way to Pastor Jim or Pastor Ryan, and then they're going to flesh it out at the right time. Now, that's how it works. And, and, and that's biblical. That's what it says. Now, that's, that's just one of the ways the Holy Spirit expresses himself. The second way is through a personal expression of the Holy Spirit. This expression is private. It's expression between you and God. And I really want to talk about this for a few minutes because um, I think this is pretty powerful. Uh, the power of expression of the Holy Spirit is most pronounced privately. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. The Bible, says, uh, the Bible says this, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy or speaking the word of God. For anyone who speaks in a tongue, prays in the spirit, the heavenly prayer language, we talked about that last weekend, does not speak to men, but speaks to God. There is a power in the Holy Spirit that I think as a church, we have totally clipped the wings of the Holy Spirit. If your experience with the Holy Spirit is on Sunday morning or Saturday night, you're missing it. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is in the everyday life of a believer. And I say this as someone who has encountered the baptism of the Holy Spirit and who's experienced this prayer language and who prays regularly in this. Because this is the power. This is, this is it. And I'm going to tell you why. I just want to tell you, and everything I'm going to tell you is biblical, and there are so many things I could say, but I just want to give you four top personal expressions that I think are, 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 are awesome and why I'm doing this series. First is it's a direct connection to God. When you are praying in the Spirit, it's a direct connection to God. Because when you pray in the Spirit, when you're praying that heavenly language, you're not talking to men, you're directly connected to God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of having this encounter with God is that there are times where my verbal combination of consonants and vowels just are not adequate to be able to express myself to God. There are times and moments that I'm just at the end of myself and those midnight hour moments that I just don't know what to say. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit prays through you when you begin to pray in the Spirit. It's not weird, it's completely biblical. And God begins to speak to you in those times. And God begins to work in you in those times. And the Bible says that when we pray in the Spirit, although our mind may be unfruitful, our spirit man's being built. And don't forget, Ephesians chapter 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we're involved in a spiritual warfare. The enemy of your soul and my soul has a target on everybody's back in this room. 
And he goes about, the Bible says in John chapter 10, seeking, roaming like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the way you overcome that is by growing your spiritual man. The way you develop that is by developing your spiritual man. The same way you would develop your physical man, that you would eat right, you would exercise, you would work out, you would develop that. And you want to be strong so, so that you can fight off viruses and fight off sickness and fight off disease. It's the same way in, in the spiritual realm that you want to be strong in the things of the spirit so that when spiritual attacks come, and they will come, because we're not just flesh and blood, we are spirit. If we were flesh and blood, it'd be pretty easy. That'd be the science of everything. But the spirit of man, the soul of man, that which lives on forever, that's what's complex. That's what keeps you up at night. That's what gets you up in the morning. That's what makes you think. That's what makes you unique. That's the DNA of God's fingerprint on your life. And God Almighty, through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity, connects to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he speaks. I'll never forget, I was a senior in high school. I totally wanted to do what God wanted me to do. And I just was saying, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, wherever it is you want me to go, whatever you want with my life. And uh, I was at a, uh, a chapel service at a, at a private college in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, it was a group that were all believers in the gathering. And uh, I'll never forget this. This is the power of the Holy Spirit, this direct connection with God. Dr. Jesse K. Moon was on the front row, and he gave a message in tongues. And Dane Hall, about four rows back, I'll never forget this, gave the interpretation. And I was standing just behind Dane. And when God speaks, you remember that stuff. See, sometimes it happens, we, we just take for granted, and da, 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 no, 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 you write that down. This is, this is the, if this really is the words of God, if it really is the Holy Spirit speaking, then it's got to be something that's important. It's what amazes me when people go, well, I, I, God gave me something to say. Well, what did he say? Well, I can't remember. I just thought I should have shared it. God didn't talk to you. That was indigestion. That was Chipotle. <laughs> Amen. And I'll never forget, here's, here's what it was. My son, I've had your life planned out before you were born. If you will but trust in me and follow me, I will guide you and I will direct you and I will take care of the details of your life. And I knew in that moment, I was supposed to go to that college. That was the sign that I was praying for and that God would handle it. And I'm telling you, my 37 years on this planet, God has walked with me and been with me and provided for me, and I don't have time this morning to share with you all the miracles that God's done in my life, physically and emotionally, spiritually. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm talking about this. Another personal expression is it puts the super on my natural it puts the super on my natural. John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says this in verse 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do, great, will do what I've been doing, and he will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I'm just telling you, I am not a Christian because it's a crutch or because I need emotional stability in my life. I follow Christ because he has come into my life and done something for me that no one else can do and that nothing else can do. He fills a hole and a vacuum in my heart that only he can fill. And I want to see those greater things. I've always wanted to see those greater things. 
I get the natural stuff. No worries. I want to see the super on my natural. I want to see God do what man says can't be done. I want to see God show up when man says there's no other way. I want to see God provide when there is no other way. I'm telling you, maybe you haven't been there. I've been in the room where the doctor walks in and says, you know what, we don't know if you have cancer or not, but we're going to have to do a biopsy and find this out, and you're going to have to go through a surgical procedure that could change your life. And walk in and see specialists that have been flown in because they've never seen this. This is a textbook example. Examine me. 20 years of age. And go, God, this is it. I've given you my life. I, I've been there when you, you've been told, hey, you can't have children biologically. I love kids. Don't tell Tammy, I'd have six or eight or 12. I love kids. <laughs> she doesn't want that many, but I, I do. Let's just have a whole basketball team. Let's have a whole football team. Let's just have, it'll be fun. She says it's fun for me because I don't have to take care of them, but maybe that's true, I don't know. But I've seen God supernaturally provide. And you look at my two daughters, and some of you are going, why, they're, they're adopted? Yeah. I'm just telling you that I would never trade the supernatural experiences with God for the natural world. You can have your cars, you can have your money, you can have all you want. I sleep at night. I eat good during the daytime, and I live an adventurous lifestyle. And if your Christ followership is boring, you're on the wrong trip. Because it puts super on my natural. And I believe in to see those greater things. I, I, I can't wait to see those greater things. The next thing for me is it puts faith in my walk. It puts faith in my walk. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. I'm a control freak, if you didn't know that. I'm a type A personality. If we're going on a trip, let me drive. Because I'm just... I'm having to sit here. My legs are just bobbling. I don't have to go to the bathroom. I, I just, I got a lot of energy. That's just the way I am. It's how I'm wired. And I'm sitting down because I don't want to get too overly dramatic with this message. So the staff said, you probably need to sit on a stool this time. Okay, great. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> but this personal expression of the Holy Spirit, it's beyond me. And I have to trust in God. And I don't have all the answers. When you get into the supernatural, the Bible says we only see part. We only know in part. It's like looking through stained glass. Paul says it's like looking through a glass darkly. It's not till we get on the other side that we understand. Because the way you and I see things are very limited. But when I have this Holy Spirit, this personal expression of the Holy Spirit in my life, and encounter Him, what happens, man, is I begin to walk this thing out in faith. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I am a Christ follower. I mean, my journey to Germantown, I would have never in a gazillion years said, this is where I'm going to be. And some of you go, well, it's not that bad. No, I think it's awesome. But it'd be like me telling you, hey, guess what? You're moving to Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just different. But God in his infinite wisdom knew what I needed and where I needed to be. And when I became completely yielded to him, he took me on a journey. 
And I'm still on that journey. And that's the most exciting thing. I don't know where this thing's going to lead. All I know is last night there were 304 people on campus. Although I know is, is, that, is that six years ago there were 100 people in the storefront, and today there's almost 800 people here. All I know is that if I had a dollar for everybody who called me crazy and what we were trying to accomplish here, I could have already paid for this property and built that building. And the day that we build the building, I promise you, I'm sending them an invitation for the opening weekend. But, but because, here's the deal, that's the journey. I remember when. I remember when. You're going to be able to say, I remember when we were in that building over there. Yeah, it didn't look like that, but I remember when. Some of you remember when there was a wall right here. And I'd actually be sitting in the offices right now talking to a wall, and you'd be on the other side, and everybody was looking that way. I mean, the stage fit between those two doors. I mean, I, I, rem I remember when there was no stage. I remember when it, 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 there were folding chairs and there was 100 people. I remember when, and some of you remember when there were 17 people at the high school and we began. It's a faith walk. Man, is it exciting. If you want humdrum, boring Christianity, go somewhere else. But I'm telling you, this power of the Holy Spirit, this wild goose chase, is anything less than boring. And the last thing for me is it's mysterious. It's mysterious. Not weird, but mysterious. Job chapter 11, verse 7, Job says, Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? That's, man, that's great right there. You need to put that down, read that, memorize that. 1 Corinthians 14, 2, again, says, Anyone who speaks in a tongue, who speaks in the Spirit, doesn't speak to men, but speaks to God. And indeed, no one understand him, understands Him, yet He utters the mysteries with His Spirit. Here's the thing for me, it's beyond me. I don't want a God that I, I can hold in my hand. I don't want a God that's an idol that I can look at and pray to. I don't want a God that I can figure out. Maybe you do, I don't. I want a God that's beyond me. I want a God that just does things that I go, it's biblical, but wow, wow. Wow! I never thought that would happen. Wow! How in the world did that person come to faith in Christ? How, how, how did that happen? How did that go? Only God. Only God. How was that person healed? I, 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 don't, I don't know. Only God. How did that person... I don't know. Only God. See... Here's the deal. We're so funny. We are finite and God's infinite. And we look at time through a limited perspective. But God sees time from the very beginning all the way through eternity, which has no end. And he sees it not just from one perspective, which ours is linear and one dimensional. He sees it from every dimension around that in any setting in time. That's why when we say God's ways are higher than our ways, that's what we mean. We're not God. When we get to heaven, we'll be able to get our questions answered, and we'll understand fully. But Paul says, today we know in part, and we're known in part. But on the other side, when we see God, we'll know as he knows, and we'll understand as he understands. But today, I don't have all the answers. I, I, I don't know everything. But what I do know is what the Word of God says. I'm going to close with this illustration. See, many times what happens in life is we try to make this stuff way too complicated and make it something that it's not. 
And I think this whole expression of the Holy Spirit is much like this lamp. Now, here's the deal. I don't know how it works. I don't understand all the hows and the whys. But what I do know is that there's some type of wiring that's in here, because I've shocked myself a couple of times trying to take these apart as a kid. I know that it's connected to the wall, which is connected to some power grid. And I know that that, I don't really know what energy looks like, but I know that it's there because I have to pay for it every month. And, and here's what I know, that when I bought the lamp and I put it together and it told me to put a bulb in it, that here's what the, here's what the instructions, here's what the word says. That when I pull this cord, it comes on. And when I'm done and I pull the cord again, it goes off. Now, I don't understand how it all works and, and, and the, the whole incandescent light bulb connecting with the power, connecting to the wall, connecting to the power grid that I have to pay a lot of money for through We Energies. Um, how it all works, I just know that because of the word, the instructions that I received on this thing, that when I pull this cord, it turns on, and when I pull it again, it turns off. And then it'll keep doing that as long as it's connected to the power source, and as long as that bulb is good. And if the bulb goes out, I can simply replace it. But I also know it because of my experience, because every time I turn this, I pull that cord, it comes on. Every time I pull it again, it goes off. And it does this over and over and over again. And this is much like the power and the expression of the Holy Spirit in our life. I don't understand all of it. I just know that the Word says this is how it works. I can't explain all the intricate details to it because, quite frankly, I'm limited in my explanation because this is something that has to do with the supernatural that's beyond me. It's not weird. It's God. And I know because of my experience that every time I have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, He comes on, and He's there. And I just want to remind you that this wild goose chase is not for the faint of heart. It's not trackable. It's not tameable. You can't put it in a little box and go buy it at guest services. But I promise you it's going to be anything than boring. I promise you that it's going to be the adventure of a lifetime. And here's the question that I have for you today. Are you willing to live dangerously and live adventurously and trust the word and experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Just like this lamp. We do this all the time. You flip a switch and you don't know how it works, but you know it works. Because that's what the instructions say. That's what it says on, off. And that's what your experience says. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to understand all the intricacies. The word says it and you can experience it. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you today for your word.